Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Harvey's Penelope Ford, Quang is Kip Sabian, <laughs> and Adam Bomb is Joey Janela. Hey, I'm ready. Right foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U and ends with an A. Has a meal dish up there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. As the other Cultaholic lads are hunkered down in self-isolation, avoiding the outbreak of the virus we cannot say on YouTube, albeit due to lack of demonetization, as they hide away from the problem. We are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean, charging headlong into the problem without any concern for six feet of social distancing from the year 1994 in professional wrestling. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former cultaholic heavyweight champion, and now isolated from society, Thomas Campbell, uh, coming from my isolation station high above the nation. I am with the bear, who may soon very well be in a literal big blue bar cage. The head pen of Cultaholic, who is currently residing in the area where there is more coronavirus outbreaks than there are smiles on faces. He is Justin Henry. He is the head pen of Cultaholic, and he is off of America. Wasn't self-isolation a Fear Factory song? Ooh. No, wait, was, I think no, it might have been. No, wait, that was self no, that was self-immolation. I'm sorry. <laughs> you pulling out the Fear Factory references this early on. Oh. Well, it's I kind of like Fear Factory. They're, oh, mate, I, great, I were they were they were huge when I was a kid, when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Fear Factory were my boys. They were your boys in college. Yeah, mate. They still had a presence in like 2003-ish? Just about. Just about. <laughs> Hanging on in. Is that when they finally got over to the UK? You, you, you finally caught onto the whole death metal thing over there? Is, um... <laughs> I mean, All Fear Factory albums were sent on a very slow boat from America. And they just arrived in 03. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very slow. It's like humanitarian aid that got dropped in eventually. <laughs> Speaking of humanitarian aid... Uh, I may be in need of some, as you may have hinted in the intro. Uh, I am currently on day four, uh, at the time you hear this, day five, of uh, self-isolation, hiding from the virus that shall not be named on YouTube. How are you holding up in all this, matey? Uh, pretty good. I'm, 
I'm not sick of ramen noodles yet. <laughs> what have you got so stockpiled? Have you got ramen noodles? Uh, ramen noodles? <laughs> ramen noodles? Because that, that's how they spell <laughs> WrestleMania numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, WrestleMania chicken stock. John. John, if you're in if you're in self isolation, here's a good little project. Instead of Photoshop, can you write WrestleMania in ramen no- in ramen noodles? <laughs> <laughs> this is the test of a really quality Photoshop worker. Oh, come on, lad, go on, lad. Uh, what have you got stockpiled apart from ramen noodles? Uh, just a lot of non-perishables, although just like the ramen noodles, macaroni and cheese, other like like frozen food dinners, and just basic stuff, really. I have a drugstore about not even a mile away from me, and I have a pizzeria that's up the street from me. So, oh mate, you're and, good. And they're staying open during this whole thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine-ish. You're good for the next eighteen months, mate. <laughs> Pretty much. Although I don't think it's going to be. I know they keep giving worst-case scenarios, and and I think they kind of have to because you want to try to scare people to get indoors because. We saw that story of those assholes at spring break. Like, oh, we're not going to miss out on this. It's like, yeah, so mm. you kind of you don't want to wish bad on somebody, but watching that video, you're just like, no, I wouldn't mind if you started coughing. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if you started coughing, you weirdos on the beach. Yeah, they they have to give worst case scenarios. I mean. I kind of wish that Dave Meltzer was delivering coronavirus updates. I feel like I'd be a bit more reassured. Well, he'd still be in the first paragraph right now. <laughs> God love Meltzer dropping. Do you know what? The new Dave Meltzer Wrestling Observer newsletter is always a... I think I try and uh, have a read-through on a Friday. Normally Fridays I'll be quite busy, so I may not have time to properly sit and digest it all. But this morning, waking up in isolation, I was like, I could sit and have a nice leisurely read of this today. I've got all the time in the world. I'm just going to leisurely read through the heaps of paragraphs that Dave Meltzer offers from the Wrestling Observer. And when I did so, Justin, when I did so, I scrolled back to the year 1994 and went through the archives of the Meltzer's newsletter. And I have made some copious notes for today's podcast. Oh, you came prepared. I did indeed, mate. I am a Girl Scout. Uh, Justin, (laughs) can you tell us, as we get into the ins and outs of WWF from 1994, for this episode of the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, where and when are we? Well, it is the final part of a TV taping in Bushkill, Pennsylvania. It aired on Monday, July 25th, 1994. It was taped 24 days earlier on July 1st. These so are this is a moldy, moldy tapings. <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that the, that the now deceased referee is still on the show. That's so weird. Joey Morella, who passed away in a car accident, like almost a month ago, still on these shows. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you tape well in advance. It really is, and it's something that WWE are considering in the real world at the moment. But we won't talk about that now, um, because that's for the others to talk about. Uh, Some bits from The Observer from this particular year. It was on the 18th of July that two of the three charges against Vince McMahon, those relating to possession with intent to distribute steroids to Terry Bollea, were dropped due to no evidence tying in the alleged activity to the eastern districts of New York. Yeah, and I, I believe it was the Friday before this show that 
this whole thing came to an end, did it not? It did indeed. Vince McMahon was acquitted on all charges. Yeah, you know, Friday afternoon before this show, and we even gave a couple references to that on the show, albeit very sly and cheeky. Oh, I must have missed these, so I'm intrigued to hear them from you. Yeah, I, I took a couple notes here on the uh, <clears throat> few things the commentators may have said during the show. Oh, okay. Well, I look forward I, to hearing those. Well, I mean, it would look kind of bad if they came out and openly celebrated like, and had, like, party hats on and, like, yeah, Vince got off. I'll tell you what I haven't had lately, steroids from Vince McMahon. And when I say lately, I mean ever. <laughs> Just the whole system, there's, like, one giant Iker Pro infomercial. <laughs> I, Lex Luger leaning into the camera going, Iker Pro, it's all drugs. <laughs> You've got to want it. <laughs> I could pro. It's the shot in the ass you need. I mean, the shot in the arm you need. <laughs> I like that. That's a good joke. 10 on 10. Uh, from the Observer. Also, something funny happened at the end of the barbed wire match on the 16th of July at the ECW Arena. Do you know where I'm going, Just Funny, eh? <laughs> well, let's see here. Um, I believe this was a uh, was this Cactus and Terry Funk versus. I'm sorry, it was, it was Public Enemy versus either the Funks or Terry Funk and Cactus Jack. It was Public Enemy versus the Funk Brothers. Well done, ten points to oh. Gryffindor. Oh, thank you. Uh, um, funny thing that happened. Uh, well, this wasn't the uh, chair throwing incident yet. That came later. Well, there were chairs involved. Oh, really? Mm. Shall I read from How the Observer so? verbatim? Okay. After a bloodbath with the Funk Brothers versus Public Enemy, which ended with approximately 80 chairs in the ring, Terry Funk wrapped up in barbed wire with a garbage can stuck to his chest and a brawl which went out of the building into the parking lot while dozens of the elderly were arriving at the building for their weekly Saturday midnight bingo session. Tremendous. What a night this was. Imagine. Imagine your nan, your granny turning up to play bingo. How was the bingo, Gran? Oh, these men came out all covered in blood and barbed wire. <laughs> I've heard I've heard many stories over the years of old ladies who take their shoes off during those bingo games, like getting their feet stuck in thumbtacks and Oh no, really? Because they were still on the floor. Oh my and, god. Uh, I remember Todd Gordon, the former owner of ECW before Heyman bought the company, telling me one time that uh, <laughs> a lot of times during those bingo games, a lot of the wrestlers would, be would still be filing out of the building, and a drunken Sandman would walk by and just yell "bingo" randomly, and, and all these be mad because they thought they lost. And oh. I realized it was it was just Sandman just being drunk and being an ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That is incredible. Um, from this moment, this this ridiculous moment uh, at the ECW arena, uh, this possibly, and you might be able to tell me otherwise if I'm wrong, this possibly might have been the first time that the crowd broke into an ECW chant. They had been doing that before that. Well, they, because... Um... I'm sorry. Go on. I was going to say that the, uh, the 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 story ends. Uh, the the article ends from Meltzer saying that the fans gave gave the wrestlers a standing ovation and chanted ECW ECW. I I know for a fact that months before this there was a 
incredible two or three minute match between Mike Awesome and JT Smith in the, in the building. That was like one of the craziest short matches you've ever seen in your life. And Awesome went to dive off the top ropes, and the top rope just collapsed under his weight, and he just face planted to the canvas, and the crowd chanted EC dub for that. Oh, jeez. So that I remember. Okay, so maybe they've done it yes. before. I was just intrigued that it might have been the first time because Dave Meltzer makes a point to point it out. Mm. Uh, I'd say at this point, it, it, it was becoming in vogue. This was this was the year the ECW really came into its own. Ah, that probably makes sense then. Um, also, Antonio Inoki. Uh, some Inokiism to drop on you. For the classic Raw review. Right. And Antonio Inoki is still making noises about putting together a match with George Foreman, who he didn't end up meeting in Orlando, who he, who, who uh, apparently uh, he was going to meet up with in Orlando, Florida to discuss it, but it didn't apparently happen. Uh, instead, uh, Inoki had a meeting with Muhammad Ali. So we could be getting either Inoki and Foreman or Inoki and Ali in 1994. I don't think Ali's... I don't think Ali would have been doing much in 94. Mm, he would have had some time on his hands. Well, well he was kind of uh, he was kind of ill at that point with Parkinson's. Yeah, that's probably why Inoki wanted to pick a fight. Uh, <laughs> and uh, New Japan had a, a huge five-night run at Sumo Hall uh, that a lot of people mm-hmm. are saying was an incredible uh, week of wrestling, climaxing with the G1 Climax. Um, lots of lots to celebrate on that show. I looked down the card and I was like, wow, there's some dream matches on here. Uh, but there is one particular crap WWF dream match that I think you and I would probably want to watch at some point, and it featured El Gigante versus Nails. I've seen that match. You've seen it? It's on YouTube. Go find it. Oh, all right. Well, I'll find it. That's my job later. (laughs) It's as much a dream match as an outhouse is a dream house. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's a little dance around the wrestling world in this particular week. I will now hand over to Justin Henry, who will guide us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Well, hang on. First, I'm going to see if uh, Melter rated this match at all. Uh, sadly, he did not. Oh, that says it. That says everything. <laughs> I mean, on a, sh- on a show that had Ricky Choshu versus Masahiro Chono, Jushin Liger and El Samurai versus Dean Malenko and Gran Hamada, Hiroshi Hase versus Shinya Hashimoto, and numerous other um, interesting matchups, you had El Gigante, a.k.a. Giant Gonzalez, versus Nails in a three-minute match. <laughs> that just sticks out like an eyesore. It's one of them where it was very much a match that was described by onlookers as having happened. <laughs> like, imagine watching Wrestle Kingdom today and all of a sudden, like, like five or six matches in, here's, like, Titus O'Neil versus uh, Eric Rowan. May I pop? <laughs> oh, you, okay, you would and I would. Just, just some people don't so. have the same sense of humor as us. <laughs> just us two doing some social distancing and popping. <laughs> it's like when Norm Macdonald tells jokes or or, or does his non sequiturs. He, he he knows that seven people are going to get it, but but he he's there for those seven people. <laughs> and to amuse himself mostly. Incredible. So speaking of stuff that amuses only us, let's go to this roll. Yay! <laughs> now, <laughs> if 
this show could best be described as definitely hour three of a TV taping. It has very much an hour three feel and an hour three crowd. All the earmarks of it. (laughs) And JR makes a funny comment about the crowd a little bit later on that we'll get to. But we start out with clips from last week of Tatanka confronting Ted DiBiase in, in regards to DiBiase having acquired Lex Luger. Tatanka's accusing him, or is still accusing Luger of selling out. And then we get footage from Superstars uh, the following Saturday with DiBiase on Heartbreak Hotel to announce his new acquisition, Lex Luger. So Luger walks out, like when prompted, he just walks out when DiBiase calls him out. But before Luger can even say a word, here comes Tatanka to cut him off. You know, before before he he can even you know confirm or deny that he's the acquisition, and Tatanka tells him off. The next clip we get is Lex Luger in a studio setting, telling a camera that's trained on his face, Tatanka, I did not sell out. <laughs> now, couldn't he have told him that on the Harper Hotel set? That's what I'm thinking. I was very confused by how. How, okay, let's let's break this down. Luger comes out when prompted. Tatanka gets his face, tells him he sells out, and then presumably, we're, we're looking at this as somebody as people who haven't seen the episode. Presumably, Luger just walked off and didn't give an answer. Why did he come out? Yeah, it's like it's a pretty simple thing to say. No, I'm not with DiBiase. I did not agree to join forces with him. I mean, how hard is it that Luger has to go to the studio like, all right, guys, listen, I'm going to drive to the studio in Connecticut. I'm going to sit in front of a camera, and I'm going to give my side of the story. It's just going to be one sentence, but it'll be worth it. Trust me. It's like <laughs> this all seems way too elaborate for what they're trying to accomplish. It really, really does. And uh, if you're a fan of this era, you know where this is going, and it makes the the yeah. the outcome even weirder. Mm-hmm. It uh, It's a miscommunication plot that makes Three's company look like Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> well, that's it. It's true. Like, the, I love a good miscommunication <laughs> yeah. plot. It is most episodes of Frasier. And yeah, exactly. I just think it's so easy to write, but this is like, this isn't a miscommunication plot. This is, this is a misleading plot, which is different. And, and it's Luger being docile for some reason. Luger's just a, on dreamland for most of this. He's on autopilot. <laughs> He's just thinking, any year I'll be gone, it'll be okay. <laughs> Let's just come on. Let's get to the fluffy white shirt era. I want to. I want to create a moment that Justin Henry and Sam Driver can talk about in years to come. I need to get around to it <laughs> so we can. I can have the opening episode of War <laughs> Stories. Shout out to Andrew. Mm. Shout out Andrew Hodgkinson, the editor. My God, how rude am I? Andrew Hodgkinson, <laughs> what a boy. What an editor. Sam Driver, fine voice, dulcet tones. Justin Henry, exquisite pen. A trifecta that has created a brand on Cultaholic that will live for many years. I wish you said forever in the Terry Funk voice. Forever! 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 Oh. <laughs> how long that? Jesus, forever. dude. I've got Voldemort, remember? How, how long is that trash can going to be barbed to your chest? Forever! 
How long are those bingo players going to be emotionally scarred? Forever. <laughs> Pick it out, bingo, bingo balls. Legs, 11. 11. <laughs> 11. John, 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 if you're self-isolating, you have all the time in the world to do this. Terry Funk is a bingo caller. Thank you very much. We don't ask for much. I feel like I need to do these as as uh, air, airline tannoy announcements. So, like, bing bong, <laughs> call for John Eiley. Terry Funk as a bingo announcer. Terry Funk as a bingo announcer. Thank you. You could lower your voice to, like, a, um, a golf commentator for the foreseeable future in order to save your voice. And, uh, John? Terry Funk as a bingo caller. As a bingo caller. I need to learn to lower my voice because now I'm doing stuff in the office slash the spare room. The walls are very thin. And I, we, I currently have this dilemma where I need to do news videos early in the morning, but Alex is asleep next door. So inevitably, every day of our uh, isolation together, she starts the day by hating me because I've woken her up because I'm in here shouting. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure it has not diminished her love for you. Are you kidding? She's livid, right? Because, um, bless her, she had freelance work booked in. Uh, for next week, but because I've had now symptoms of uh, Voldemort, I have to self-isolate. And now the ruling from uh, the health bods of the UK is that if somebody in your household is self-isolating, you isolate with them. So she's off work as well. Well, she's still with you, right? Yeah, but only because she can't leave the flat. <laughs> uh, give yourself a little credit here. I reckon day 15 should be done. I reckon if it, I'm going to see suitcases yeah. being pulled out around day 13. We'll see how we go. <laughs> uh, best of luck to you. Uh, I'm sure I will be well. Thanks, mate. If not, uh, I've got a spare room going. Well, speaking of um, horrors, we have, have uh, this show here, which is which includes Adam Bond versus Yokozuna and Tatanka versus Nikolai Volkov in a $10,000 challenge tonight. And that's when Savage informs us about informs us his take on Lex Luger, which is either he's telling the truth or he's lying. What a um, guy. Yeah, it's one or the other. <laughs> what I loved is when he said it, he said, like, either he's telling the truth or he's lying. And then he did a little dance, like his little Savage dance, like he was so pleased with his analysis. <laughs> I am logically consistent. And he gets down. <laughs> Either he's right or he's wrong. Dance. <laughs> that's it. That's be a family logically consistent shuffle. <laughs> do the logically consistent shuffle. I do know what that means. <laughs> well, that's logically consistent. Everybody dance. <laughs> <laughs> I love Savage so much. So we start off with our alleged main event, which is the Tonka versus Nikolai Volkov. If Tatanka wins, he wins $10,000. Here's the thing, Justin Henry. Am I right mm -hmm. in thinking that at this point, uh, Monday Night Raw was still quite well, obviously a new, a new prospect, so the wrestlers weren't getting a whole lot of cash in their back pocket for these appearances? Um... I seem to remember hearing uh, on OSW Review that the Undertaker in the in the first couple of weeks of uh, Raw, when he made his made his first appearance on the first night of Raw, he got paid twenty dollars 
Mm. So if twenty may have been a little bit light, but maybe. But if but if that's but if that's kind of near what Undertaker's making, like what the hell are Volkov and Tatanka making? They're definitely not earning ten thousand dollars in this particular match. No, and it's uh, it's probably not the best thing to have DiBiase put that much money on the line when his uh, when his choice of tributes here is uh, Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> What are you suggesting? That Nikolai Volkov isn't good enough? This, well, this, this is not the... If this was the Hunger Games, his district would be finished. <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> it's, it's the Dunder Games. as a Dunderhead. <laughs> <laughs> yes. John, I want Nikolai, I want Nikolai Volkov as Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> yes please yes please uh, yes please so DiBiase bet 10 grand on Volkov because he hates having money this is his plan to liquidate all his assets um, Savage just gives us some expert analysis here by pointing out that, that the Tonga has a stronger tan than Volkov he is on the money tonight, isn't he? You know, normally within like the first five or so minutes of an episode of Raw, you know what kind of savage you're going to get. And within 40 seconds tonight, we're like, we're getting the good savage tonight. He is pepped up. He is good to go. <laughs> savage got pulled out of the strip club and realized, oh, I got I to gotta go to work. I'll be, I'll be back in about 45 minutes. <laughs> Whenever do this, slightly hepped up. <laughs> Just gonna go do a shift on comms. Back in a bit, lads. Volkov with some plotting offense early, which is which would be easier if I just said Volkov has some offense early. I feel that Volkov had some good trademark moves here. <laughs> I can't even say that without without lying. Uh, <laughs> Now, when you say trademark, Stomps. You're, you're telling me he does something that <laughs> you're telling me something that he does he does, does something that nobody else does. Which yes, I'll give you the the running stump. The running stump. The running stump. These the high octane Garvin special. The running stump where he bounces off the ropes and comes back at the guy with a stump. Nobody does it like Koloff. It's the people stump. Oh, mate, it is the million dollar stump. Well, actually, back in the days of. Uh, of being the Soviet sympathizer, it could be the stomp of the people. Nice, nice. It is the it is the stomp of approval. <laughs> it is the it is the passport stomp. <laughs> I like how you can't hit someone with a trash can, but stomping their head is not a hate crime, according to uh, USA Network. Oh gosh, these weird rules and regulations the USA Network has inflicted on the WWF mm -hmm. at this point. Hilarious. Mm -hmm. So after Volkov takes a bump to the floor off of a dropkick, and actually a pretty good bump for a man who's pushing 50. DBS yells at him, and Savage accuses him of abusing his power like all bosses do. Everybody hates their boss to some degree. <laughs> Looking at you, Vince. If he, he, he forgot that part of the uh, of the rant. <laughs> So the match plods on, and, and the Tonga starts going into his no-cell war dance off the corner head slams. And then I realized something. Now, I'm not going to fault Nikolai Volkov, who at this point was probably about 20 years into his wrestling career. And had and, and was no, and pushing 50, no doubt he's not in the best shape of, of his life. 
what he does is he drops to a knee and then he kills over <laughs> it's like a uh, an archetypal cane pedigree bump it's where the knee is taking the love rather than the rest of the body well, yeah and i mean I, I mean i understand it it's i mean i mean i hear taking bumps sucks i mean uh, cm punk has gone on that many times he talks about how much he hated taking bumps and i'm sure most of us would feel the same way but it is kind of it is just kind of a sign that this is a near 50 year old man that's trying to wrestle you know a, a somewhat basic opening match for this show and uh well, Nikolai's just seen better days. CM Punk don't know what he's talking about, mate. I'll have you know, I took a lung blower last week and I'm fine. <laughs> That's one lung blower. Although, I did punch the guy in the balls. Uh, apart from that, though, it was all fine. <laughs> <laughs> I saw we got hit in the face and I'm... Uh... I'm going to assume you deserved it. Yeah, to be fair, I'm, I'm a bit of an arse at main event wrestling in the northeast of England, so I deserved everything I got that night. Yeah, you, you do tend to provoke people. It's good fun, though, mate. It's good fun. <laughs> oh, I love how, it. How would you compare your bumping technique to Nikolai? Uh, well, I didn't go. I didn't take the knee like Volkov did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I just, I think the the instructions I were given as an Elvis were probably the instructions that Volkov would have given me, which is right, commit to the move and just hit the ground like a bag of, you know what. <laughs> oh, I think Volkov might be just a bit stronger than you are, though. Just a touch, just a touch. Bless him. There was a good line in uh, in Tatonka's comeback from Randy Savage, believe it or not. As, oh uh, as Tatanka came off the top, he shouts, From the top of the Empire State Building! Which is the tagline of Z100. And I'm assuming that Savage was a fan of the Morning Zoo. Or he just, or he was just thinking of tall buildings. He might just have been thinking of a tall building. But I'd like to think he was, he was listening to Z100 on the way into the studio that day. Yeah. That's a why is uh why is uh, the Empire State Building in Bushkill, Pennsylvania? I don't know. <laughs> From the top of the Bushkill State Building, I assume that's a thing. Yeah. Well, could, you could have said the Pocono Mountains because that's where Bushkill is. Yeah, Pocono. <laughs> From the top of a ski lift in July, for some reason. <laughs> so the match has your typical Volkov match finish, where he goes for a slam and gets cradled. And the tongue is now $10,000 richer. <laughs> Why did IRS not run out and bash him with a briefcase and take 3% of the earnings afterwards? That would have been brilliant if, if IRS had jumped out and attacked him and just taken, like, a little wadge of that money. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? <laughs> so Savage hits the ring afterwards because Savage has to put all these baby faces over by giving them some sort of rub from the commentary desk. And he starts taunting DiBiase because now DiBiase's got to pay up. DiBiase gets in the ring. He's uh, a little hesitant, a little embarrassed because he bet on Nikolai Volkov because he thought the generals were due. <laughs> the tongue is spinning the ball on his finger. <laughs> John, Photoshop, you know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> that match was fixed. He had red hair dye for crying out loud. <laughs> well, actually, he didn't hear, so that's kind of a misnomer. <laughs> but yes, DiBiase admits that Tatanka is a great athlete, but says Tatanka could not do the same to his Lex Luger as he ponies up the cash. Tatanka disagrees because he says that he says that he could be Lex Luger. Out comes Luger. Tatanka reiterates his challenge. Luger accepts Tatanka's challenge, and apparently they're going to face off on some distant day. 
Oh, the mega powers explode! Sort of. <laughs> so, we kind of one of the best parts of the show, and God bless Jim Ross. I was listening to his episode of AEW Unrestricted yesterday, and JR is still a, a great storyteller, an interesting mind, even though he may have lost a bit of heat off his fastball in recent years. But I love Jim Ross, and you know that. And, oh, absolutely. And, we all do. He's a national institution. Absolutely. But out of the break, JR kind of sells his soul to the devil here by saying, well, this crowd is in stunned silence over what just happened. <laughs> that made me chuckle, that did. But you know what? I, I admire the commentator that can take, like, a, a bum move or a botched spot or a, or, mm. or a weird reaction and somehow tie it into the narrative. That is true. Big fan of that. You don't worry about that in films, but in live theatre, which is what we are doing here, darling, uh, it's nice to see somebody bringing that together. I mean, what was he supposed to say? Well, well, pardon us, folks, our heat machine's busted. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> he did exactly what he had to do. I would have admired him more if he said that. <laughs> <laughs> the Head Shrinkers versus Barry Hardy and Joey Stallings. Now... Is it me, Tom, or does the Hedrickers tag team title reign and their babyface turn feel really ill-fitting by this point? It really does. Like, them them jumping the jobbers was very unface-like. <laughs> now, why did they turn face again? Because we needed an all-American tag team. <laughs> this is true. And they were the best that we had. Um, I'm, wasn't the face turn Lou Albano coming out and saying to the Quebecers, like, hey, you want, I'm going to pick a team to face you. And to the shock of everybody, he picks the head shrinkers. And I think that kind of makes them de facto faces because they're teaming with Mario. Well, okay. But I mean, seriously, Albano could have brought out any two individuals. Said, this is my team. And and they're going to beat you, Quebecers, and all of a sudden they're baby faces? Yes, any team at all. <laughs> here come my team! Hitler and Stalin! Get out here now! <laughs> O.J. Simpson and Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> O.J.'s upset. He gets less letters sent to him than his tag team partner does. <laughs> less fan mail. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, we got cheer for him now. It's OJ Mania. It's, <laughs> it's running wild. It's Manson Mania. Hmm. Or just running. <laughs> Theme song's Helter Skelter backwards. Oh, Christ. Their, their Mania entrance is in a Bronco. <laughs> oh, I'm here for this. I'm here for this. Uh, although, uh, I'm not sure they could have slaughtered uh, Barry Hardy and Joey Stallings any better than the Hedgehringers did. Although Barry Hardy didn't even tag into the match. Oh, Barry had nothing to do with this. This is all Stallings taking a pounding. Uh, I wonder if Joey Stallings was like a relative of Larry Zbysko just based on the name. Do you think so? Well, his name's Stallings. Yeah, I guess, oh, yeah, I guess so. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I do got to say, I forgot the. I forgot Samuel and Fatu were even the champs at this point. I'd forgotten who the tag champs were until they came out and went, oh yeah, forgot about them, but they baddies now? Uh, I don't know. Well, no, because they, they have Lou with them, and well, Lou was a babyface or a heel up until about 1984. Weird decision. So, uh, Samu hits, a, hits that badass second rope DDT on poor Stallings, which looks great. 
he keeps pulling Stallings up before the three count. Because, you know, they're baby faces. Mm-hmm. And um, we find out Courtney Savage that Lou speaks 20 languages. <laughs> don't say what they are. We just learned he speaks 20 languages. Well, we know 12 of them are gibberish. Well, that's true. <laughs> when I recorded Bobby Heenan, Kevin Lou refused to be fired. <laughs> Did he? You know, that was, uh, that was Bobby Heenan's um, Hall of Fame story. He says, I worked with Grand Wizard, I worked with Freddie Blassie, and Lou Albano, who refused to be fired. <laughs> I love the idea of them going, Lou, you're fired. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I was doing some freelance stuff a while ago. Um it was unpaid stuff, it was years back, and uh, I just ran out of time to do it. So I contacted the guy and I said, look, I do this job for you from home. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm getting much busier at the moment, so I'm going to have to wind this up. I'm happy to do the next uh, 30 days for you, and then I'm going to wind up. And his response to me in email was, I'd rather that you didn't leave, mate. Oh, okay, but I am. <laughs> like, it was so weird. Like, I'd rather you didn't leave. Okay, um, I appreciate it, but I am. <laughs> so. Did he follow up? Uh, no, well, eventually. So what happened was I said, look, I, I'm very sad to hear, but I am definitely going. Um, and uh, he said, he rang me. He said, is there anything I can do to change your mind? I said, uh, you can pay me. He said, it's been great working with you. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're still friends now. It's all good. But, but, but the kid's a death right there. <laughs> so about money, all of a sudden his car peels off. <laughs> so anyway, poor Joey Stallings uh, takes the double skull crushing finale, then the Samoan splash. That's it. Barry Hardy never tagged in, got paid anyway. Barry Hardy's a smart man. He is indeed. He's staying away from that. Gets paid his money, takes a minimal amount of beating from Samu and Fatu. Then we come to an oasis. We get good news. Although it won't benefit us this week, it'll benefit us next week. On next week's Raw, Tommy, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels. Oh, shoot that into my veins. And that's not the only great match we're getting next week. Oh, no. We'll learn the other one later on. (laughs) Yes. This next week, I'm so excited for next week. I'm really up for next week's show for multiple reasons. Plus, it's live, so it's like, all right, it's going to be fresh. Oh, it's going to be so good. And now we go to the opposite. As As we have two men here who are on opposite teams of the 87 Survivor Series... Jim the Anvil Nightheart versus Jim Powers. Oh my god, they were, weren't they? Powers survived that match. Jeez! Powers was a thing back in the day, wasn't he? He's part of the Young Stallions with with current member of Pretty Wonderful, Paul Roma. Oh no, of course. So Nightheart still has Brett's old theme and it throws the crowd off. It's <laughs> my favorite subplot of this period. The fact that they're playing that he's using Brett's old music. Well, it was it was his old song too. Oh yes, of course it was. Of course it was. It was it was classic. It was classic Heart Foundation theme. Do you know what I thought when I saw the start of this match? And I and my brain had obviously I'd learned something new when I watched this episode of Raw because all memory of Jim Powers had been pushed out of my head. 
Um, mm-hmm. I forgot that Jim Powers was a thing, and I was watching this going, this should be the other way around. Jim Powers should be the talent, and Jim Neidhart should be the chopper. Like, because when you look at the two together, like, if you just mm. paused it and showed it to a non-wrestling fan, you go, who's the biggest star here? And they go, well, the muscly guy, obviously. <laughs> no, he's the guy bouncing around for the big lad. Oh, absolutely. And I wrote here in my notes, Jim Powers is probably happy Vince was acquitted. Oh, God, over the moon. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like there's a, if this had aired during the trial, wouldn't this have been like Exhibit C? Oh, I think it might have been. <laughs> I mean, they were trying to get rid of like everyone on at, at that point that had anything resembling a, shall we say, an, a cosmetic physique like the Warlord and Hercules and Jimmy Snuka and many, many, many other guys. Hulk Hogan shrunk and, you know, to make it stuff more aerodynamic and and here's Jim Powers looking like Jeff Cobb. <laughs> I have a mercenary, John Moxley, and his name is Jim Powers. <laughs> Jim Powers is Matanza from Lucha Underground. Oh, that'd have been a lovely little twist. My brother, their monster, Jimmy Powers. <laughs> Comes out in like a din like comes comes out dressed as Gary Garber. <laughs> <laughs> Big power slam. It's the Jason mask we still has crack it up by Jimmy Hart. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Power takes this huge backdrop to the floor. He's still he's willing to bump for a job at this point. And actually they probably should have just brought powers back. I mean, you could have done worse, right? I think so. Like Powers, like Jim Powers looks like a star. And they're bringing Davy Boy back, so obviously you have no umbrage about pushing guys who have muscles on top of muscles. You got the beefy boys coming back through the door. Get Powers back in there. Should have a Surrector's 87 reunion match. Yeah. You had most of the guys. <laughs> you got the hearts, you got Davy Boy, you got Powers, you got Nikolai. You bring demolition back. The bees, killer bees, twin magic killer bees. You, you, you sort of have Jacques at this point. You could almost do that whole match. <laughs> you could almost all, all, all the Mengs in WCW by this time. So unfortunately, he, he and Dina Bravo since passed on. So nearly. So so Savage. <laughs> I love Randy Savage. He. <laughs> has one of the most awkward segues ever into a comment he wants to make. You know how you want to say something, but you want to try to bridge it somehow, which I've done on the show many, many times. Mm-hmm. So he, they're discussing the Hart family being at ringside for the Brett versus Owen match at SummerSlam. And Savage says, Owen and Nightheart guilty of dividing the family. Unlike a friend of mine that was just proven innocent. <laughs> I missed that line. How did I miss that line? <laughs> I had to stop him no, three times just to make sh- just to get the verbiage correct. Oh God, <laughs> that's amazing. Now, in fairness, he wasn't proven innocent. He was just found not guilty. Yeah, that's the, there is a there is a chasm between those two two things. It's like when OJ was found not guilty. It's not that he didn't do it. It's that they couldn't prove that he did it. <laughs> it was he did not do it. <laughs> well, it, well, in. In, in the mind of the jury, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in fairness, 
if you read that full observer from that time period, because Meltzer was in the courtroom for the trial, taking notes and all that. Yeah, he hence why his notes are so comprehensive throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he even points out that, uh, you know, the prosecution did a really crappy job of presenting their case. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like Vince and them, you know, just got out through the skin of their teeth because, uh, they got lucky that like, no, the prosecution just did a crap job. It was a uh, perhaps a more skilled a more skilled case or a better prosecutor could have gotten Vince sent up the river, but it just didn't work out that way. So back to this match, Powers is fighting back. Uh, it, it doesn't last. Nightheart takes him down. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And proceeds to put him in the low-key dragon clutch. I'm, I'm, like, I was stunned because I read the results before the show. It said Nightheart wins by submission. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he used the Cobra Clutch late in his career. Maybe maybe that's how he finishes it. No, he puts him in uh, – okay, he's going for a camel clutch then. Then he adds the dragon sleeper to it. Like, <laughs> when the hell did Jim Nightheart do the dragon clutch? This is new to me. I was. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're as confused as I was. I thought maybe I missed an entire period in wrestling where Jim Neidhart was suddenly a catches catch can submission specialist. But no, he just decides. Oh, this is my thing now. This is my move now. Loki got the dragon clutch from Jim the Anvil Neidhart. I was just. I, was, I, I had the screen cap for posterity. Put it on Twitter. <laughs> I could believe what I was saying. I was delighted, don't get me wrong. Same, but it was still like, what is going on? And delighted me just as much after the match was when they panned over a fan sign that said Heartbreak on it, which depicted Brett and Owen. No. But Brick is spelled B-R-A-K-E. Oh, no. Unless, unless they're talking about a car. Or a new form of a heart attack, a heartbreak, because it stops your heart. Your heart stops on a dime. Ah, heartbreak. Should take that onto a Ooh. Shark Tank and, and pitch it. Oh, there's something in that, yeah. So basically, what you're saying is, 
it's like um it's a murder weapon well yes how much you want to put into it how much you want to invest uh there mark <laughs> and, then, and then they throw me out <laughs> john if you want to invent the heartbreak be my guest john get on it so after that amazing display of catches catch can from the anvil we find out the uh, another big match for next week's show as women's champion alundra blaze finally gets a real opponent and will take on bull nakano oh my god is this raw or is this a pay-per-view oh my god we we don't know what we're getting next week Razor versus Sean and Blaze versus Nakano on the same show. Oh, jeez. If you have never seen Bull Nakano and you're following along with Tommy and I, you're in for a treat. And at, oh, this is exciting. I'm excited. Next week, right? Next week is stacked, okay? Because next week, uh, we are, it's myself and Justin Henry, and we're joined by a special guest, as we discussed last week. Uh, ah, yes. We are joined by uh, friend William R. Washington from RBR Wrestling. And my God, Will has picked an amazing week to join us because uh, we're watching Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon and Alundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano. Do you know what this is like, Justin? Do you know what this is like? This is like when. You you live you live with somebody and the house is you know it's not messy but it's like it's slightly unkept and you know visitors are coming round so you you make sure that you you tidy everything a little bit more than you normally would and you and you like hide stuff away in cupboards and you just make it so as they walk through the door they're gonna look at something nice that's what I feel like with with the classic raw review I feel like we get all these weeks of dirge but now we've got William R William R Washington from RBR Wrestling joining us and we're like quick let's Tidy up and make it look presentable. Uh, hi, here's our Paul Nakano and Alonja Blaze. Here's our Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. This is what we normally have here. <laughs> no kidding. It, this is uh, this this is one special show because oh. I'm I, I'm I'm reading ahead a little bit just to see what the um what the venue was for the for the for that show. It's going to be in Youngstown, Ohio, which doesn't sound like much. The crowd for that show. 8,000 people. Jeez, 8,000 people in Youngstown. It's better than, like, this tired bunch in Bushkill. I'm ready for Youngstown. <laughs> Although it does say heavily papered, but who cares? It's a big crowd. Hey, hey, I don't care if it's rock, papered, or scissored. As long as there's people there. <laughs> it's nice It's nice to watch these wrestling shows and remember the halcyon days where there were crowds at wrestling events. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, that's, that's going to be just, like, a basic... Um, We'll call that a one-off, because once you're past that taping, it's going to be downhill from there <laughs> for a while. Oh, God. Uh, Neidhart, oh, by the way, incidentally, just to very quickly jump back to it, uh, Jim Powers, you'll be excited to know, will get a shot at a major world championship by the end of this year. 94 or 2020? 94. Okay. Um... <laughs> in 2020, I'd be delighted. But in 94, he will get a, a major world championship match by the end of the year. Which company? I will spoil it for you. Uh, he will be facing Shane Douglas in ECW in November. I don't even remember that match. That was a thing that huh. happened. I mean, they were bringing a lot of outside guys for Shane to face, like Blanchard and Janetti and Ron Simmons. And Powers! I didn't remember Jim Powers, though. Mm, Powers was on it. How about that? I know, right? I know, right? So anyway, <laughs> back to the Bill to Blaze and Nakano. Out comes Alundra. Uh, 
my first yeah, Jim Ross is here to uh, interview Alundra Blaze. My first note that I wrote was, please let them be better than that King's Court. <laughs> oh, do you know what? The only way is up from there. Yeah, Blaze is dressed like Uma Thurman and Kill Bill, albeit with shorts. It's a strong look. It is a strong look. I'll, I'll give her that. It definitely adds to the badassness of her of, of her overall demeanor. She, she basically puts Nakano over as being uh, really tough and really strong. Because you, know, you build your opponent up. And it, and if you've never seen Nakano, picture Awesome Kong, but possibly even greater. Um, so then Luna hits the ring. Because Luna's going to be here to basically manage Nakano, to basically speak for her. Luna informs us, Luna informs us that, that she brought Bull Nakano to America. Yes. Easy for her to say. Well, that was it. She was she she burst out as you as you rightly put there, sir, and said, "I'm the one that brought Bull Nakano to to America." And then she ran away again. But you could tell that this rocked the confidence of Jim Ross, who who, who then also refers to Bull as Bull Nakano. <laughs> Apparently, it's contagious, like the coronavirus. I mean, uh, Voldemort. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's pretty much that. We just established that. Bull is scary. Luna's going to manage her. She can't say her name, and now JR can't either. <laughs> they've, all that, they've all suddenly forgotten how to say Bull Mercado. Boy, the wheels have come off this show that was already stationary anyway. What do we so think we of um, what do we think of Alundra Blaze's uh, is a uh, promo work? By the way, slightly better than the King's Court. Well, I mean, geez, she could have uh, put a pick. Plastic bag over her head and suffocate herself, and it'd be better than that King's Court segment. Uh, what do you think about the line where she says she will beat Bull Nakano because she, oh, she'll beat Luna Vashan one day if she ever fights her again because she has pride, dignity, class, and morals. Eh, good enough. <laughs> It'll do. It'll do. It was better than it was better than previous. It was a very 1994 babyface line for this company. Did the job. And speaking of doing jobs. <laughs> This next bit, I did. Okay, I gotta say, most of the crap from this time period, I have some frame of reference for. I remember a lot of things, even just vaguely. I do not remember this at all. We have an ad that's sort of that's of the uh, of the WF unbelievable variety. It's it's part of a raw ad campaign. It's in an Italian restaurant. With what appears to be the world's wimpiest mafioso sitting around a table. Just guys in suits having a big spaghetti dinner. There's a guy sitting at the head of the table who's apparently the Don. And he's like a he's like Brando, but like like a dinner theater version of Brando. So then this are you with me so far? <laughs> I think you're in stunned silence. I'm just letting you tell it because I think this is something else, but you're doing a wonderful job retelling it. Overwalks a stereotypical waiter, and by, and by stereotypical, I mean his mustache is basically big, bully, music thick. It is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Vito, I, I guess it's like Vito, basically asks for uh, for the TV to be put on because it's Monday, it's 9 o'clock, he wants to watch WWF Wrestling, wants to watch Raw. The waiter begins to tremble because we, I, I can't do that. We don't have cable here. So then one of the capos gets up. And draws his draws his jacket open, and you hear something metallic. Because apparently he's drawing a gun. <laughs> we don't see it because that would be 
way too violent for this company that um, bans trash cans out of the head. So, so, so the underlying message here is get cable in your restaurant or you get shot. And so <laughs> the end of the commercial shows the Don, one of his top henchmen, and the waiter sitting in the back of the limo. And they're watching Roll on a TV. And what is it that he asked for? More bread or something? Um, he is, he's, he's, no, does he say, where's the cheese? Oh, where's the cheese? Where's the cheese? Where's the cheese? And then the, and then the waiter realizes he's about to die. And he's all out. And then, cause, and then, yeah, he realizes, uh oh, and he's probably going to get concrete shoot and thrown into the East River. This chef was going to die, first of all, because he didn't have cable, so he couldn't watch Raw. And as soon as he announced that the restaurant didn't have cable, everybody left. Well, yeah, cable's kind of a big deal in 1994. But they, like, they were all expecting him to turn on Raw. They're like, we're going. <laughs> God. That's why Luca Brasi died, because he, he couldn't put Raw on in that restaurant. <laughs> It's funny because it's true. Oh gosh, this is this was these adverts. Vince is writing these, isn't he? How many times has Vince actually watched The Godfather? I I think he I think Vince has seen the poster, and then pretty much thinks, oh, I get it. I'll make it Godfather based. Puts a horse's head in Ted Turner's bed. <laughs> I'm sure Vince is writing these. It's um, like I get to trying to be, you know, different and come up with tie-ins like different genres in order to emphasize WBF, but this just feels so low rent. Mm, really? Oh, it may. It's gonna get the rent is going even further down soon enough. I'd rather watch the musical Rent. Oh, if we were watching Rent, it'd be fine. Well, yes, there's you know better songs. Actually, I can't even say that because we have uh, Jim Johnson and his great theme songs here. So we go from a near execution to Yokozuna versus Adam Bomb. Oh, so this, you know, we our, built this up last week, didn't we? Well, if by built up you mean we we mentioned that two name wrestlers are facing off in a match, then yes, we built it up. That's a build. That'll count. Good enough. I believe this is going to be Joey Morello's last appearance on Monday Night Raw. Here for this match. I'd be, I'd be worried if it wasn't. Well, if he was on next week's show, that'd be very that'd impressive. That'd be really, really weird and impressive. One thing that's weird about this match is the ropes sound like they're about to snap. Did you catch that? The what? The ropes are. Yeah, every time Bond hit the ropes, you heard like a... Yeah, I wasn't sure whether that sort of clicky, farty noise was something at their end. Uh, when uh, I'm assuming some of this commentary is in post. I mean, because it was every time someone ran the ropes, it was, uh, I mean, not even Yoko, but Adam Bond was about to... Two or three hundred pounds lighter. Mm, that's nerve wracking. Which gave me great pause when Yoko fell through the ropes off of a diving shoulder block and he just tumbled out. Slightly terrifying. Yeah, that is slightly terrifying. Yoko's gonna can wreck a ring. Oh, he really, really, really can. This felt like a kind of a big deal. Like Yoko and Adam Bomb. This felt like they're sort of positioning Adam Bomb to be a thing. His music doesn't scream babyface, but I quite like it. Yeah, it's nice, eerie nuclear winter music. Mm. The, f the fallout of a bomb blast and there's nothing around you. And well, you could sell stuff to the kids at the merchandise stand. And yeah. So the crowd's chanting for Bomb during a nerve hold. So he's kind of over. 
I mean, Three Mile Island ain't far from Bushkill. So he's kind of like a local hero. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. They go to the anti-nuke rally as uh, as his people, and they you know fight the protesters. <laughs> We're Adam Bob's guys. We're bombettes. No, we're the Bomb Squad. Oh, there you go. Were the fans officially called the Bomb Squad? Wait, wouldn't the Bomb Squad detonate the bombs or disarm them? That's kind of weird. What if you called the fans the Bomb Angels? The Jumping Bomb (laughs) Angels? Well, that'd be a very specific group of people. How very specific. Yes, Norio Tatino, huge atom bomb, Mark. (laughs) So this match, it's um, it's not terrible, but it's weird because it's like, on the one hand, it feels like they're certain trying to push Bomb as a single star as a babyface. Okay, fine, he's a big guy. Maybe you can get something out of him. But it also, also feels like Yoko's being pushed down. That he's there's now a much lower ceiling over his head at this point. Yeah, I wasn't sure whether this was an attempt to build Adam Bomb or an attempt to to demote Yoko. I kind of felt maybe this might have been an attempt to build Adam Bomb, but then again, when you when you see the conclusion of this match, maybe it does feel like this is a Yoko demote. Yeah, definitely, because Bomb hits this um, pseudo-DDT that the timing was very off on. Hits a flying clothesline, so he's, he's going to town on Yoko now. But out comes everyone's favorite Puerto Rican ninja, Quang, and Harvey Whippleman. Now, if you're Yokozuna at this point, you're involved in an angle here. I mean, you're in the periphery of Adam Bomb's feud with Quang. You must be feeling great right That's now. A, yeah, you are You are on the side as the mega powers explode! Adam Bomb and <laughs> Quang! It's all over the love of Harvey Whippleman. I think that's the worst part, is that uh, low-key, not really so much on Raw, this rivalry is for the love of Harvey Whippleman, because Quang is now Harvey's guy, and they were keen on commentary as Adam Bomb was making his way to the ring to say, like, Adam Bomb is his own man now. He don't need no Harvey. <laughs> so it's for the love of Harvey, basically. Harvey's Penelope Ford. Quang is Kip Sabian. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam Bomb is Joey Janela. <laughs> Quang is Quang does look like somebody from Norfolk, England. <laughs> he wears a mask and pseudo hammer pants and throws high kicks. <laughs> but yeah, as you say, Yoko very much on the periphery, but winning by countout. Yeah, because Bomb just gives up on on beating Yoko's ass and goes to the floor after Quang trips him. Bomb gets counted out for beating Quang up because he's got to protect Adam Bomb. Yoko wins on one knee inside the ring by count out. <laughs> Yoko will not be a part of SummerSlam in any way, and in fact, Bomb and Quang will not happen at SummerSlam, even though it seems like they're building to that. So really, Yokozuna was background fodder for a few that's not even going to a... I am building toward a pay-per-view. Oh, poor Yoko. This is, um... This is not good. We get the SummerSlam report with uh, Toad Petting Zoo dressed tastefully this week. <laughs> he said uh, he said it's not going to be like a Yanni concert, although I'm pretty sure he said Laurel concert. Uh, <laughs> oh, I about that joke. Thank you, mate. That is a joke from 2016. You're very welcome to it. <laughs> was, Todd, was Todd's coat orange or blue? <laughs> it was green because I am colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> that dr- that dress thing never worked on me because my eyes are broken. 
Broken like Matt Hardy? Yeah, oh, I wish. It's not that cool. So we have the, uh, it's sponsored by Domino's Pizza. And I, no, I say, say it properly. Delivered by Domino's? Thank you. Domino's is delivering okay. SummerSlam. <laughs> the B-roll of that Domino's spread had me rolling for about three seconds. I'm not going to lie. That was, uh, that was, that was some nice looking food. Indeedy. Literally maybe nice we'll order pizza tonight. <laughs> nice big garden salad in the middle that nobody's ordering. <laughs> Give me some cheesy bread and I'm good. Oh, mate, don't. I need to order Domino's tonight now. <laughs> so we got three uh, official matches. We got Taker, Taker. We got Brett versus Owen for the world title inside the steel cage. And I just noticed this for the first time. If you look at the graphic, they photoshopped Brett's sunglasses over Owen's face. Why did they do that? I have no idea. It's almost as funny as when Kurt Angle was the guest referee for a match. So they had like a generic referee body. They photoshopped Angle's head on it. Oh, they look like a Pez dispenser. I don't. I just. I can't get why these things happen. Like the WWF. Like regardless of like now and even now during these trying times, it's worth millions and millions of dollars. But even like in the lean years, it had money to take a photo. Like it's all those times when Triple H was the WWF champion in, in late 99 and all the photos of him with the belt or him with his arms crossed and the belt just badly potato shopped over his shoulder. It's like take a picture of the man with the belt for God's sake. It takes five minutes. Yes. Even if it's a candid, he's just, he's just walking down, walking down the street. Like his eyes are all like crossed for like half a second. You get that, like, ah, good enough. <laughs> John, John, make a really bad Photoshop of Triple H with the belt. Shouldn't be too hard. Make it really bad. And added to the show is for the for the Intercontinental Championship, Diesel defending against Razor Ramon. Big card. I gotta say two. Two out of three ain't bad so far. Yeah. And then, just to break my spirit, we get the first Leslie Nielsen spot. Oh, mate. Okay, so this, is, this isn't as bad as they would get, but it's still pretty bad. So here's what happened. Now, I'll, first of all, again, reiterate that Leslie Nielsen, one of the finest comedic actors ever. The one of the finest brought a deadpan presence to some of the funniest movies ever, including Airplane and the Naked Gun trilogy. Now, he's had some duds, wrongfully accused, Spy Hard, 2001 A Space Travesty, but he's also had some great movies, the ones I mentioned previously. And Repossessed, now that wasn't bad. They bring him in the, to be the detective in his Frank Drebin role to figure out why there are two Undertakers. So this vignette begins with him dressed as Undertaker with the brimmed hat and the trench coat. He pans up slowly. We, we, we realize it is not Mark Calloway, but it is a, a near 70-year-old police detective. And, he's, and he starts rhapsodizing in his deep Canadian voice. But then he gets scared because someone turned the lights out. And we hear Teddy DiBiase laughing. And then we learn that Nielsen's a coward and is afraid of the dark. And it's to be continued. What you're going to see over the next few weeks is the is the televisual equivalent of buying a top end gaming PC just to check Facebook. 
You have the greatest, one of the greatest comedy actors on the planet at this time, in any time. And you are bringing him in to have stuff written by low-rent WWF writers and Vince McMahon. And I apologise if somehow this podcast is in the ears of one of those writers for the WWF at this point. I'm sorry. Uh, this stuff... Because I know you would have probably had to have it signed off by a higher-up, by a higher power. It's me, Austin! Um, <laughs> but this was this is going to be bad and you know what it gen- it doesn't i'm not angry i'm not angry i'm just sad leslie nielsen for for those who can't figure out you know what his um what his comic mo is he he's not supposed to acknowledge that there's a joke happening he is so deadpan and so oblivious to everything around him that he's serious at all times even when things are so silly and so absurd in his immediate vicinity, he doesn't acknowledge the joke. The jokes are happening and you laugh, but he's oblivious to it all. Here, he's way too involved. That's the best That's, way you could possibly describe it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, here, he's in, he's, he's in on the joke, which is not a good thing for, for, for a multitude of reasons, because there is no joke. Well, the whole thing is a joke. It's, um... It's the same criticism you see today of WWE where you have all these great talents and they don't know how to use them properly. They don't know how to use someone to their fullest potential. Well, guess what? 25 years ago, they had a fine comic actor, a world-renowned star in Leslie Nielsen, and they didn't know how to use them correctly. They have no idea how to use wrestlers outside of the very thin world that they know. And there are times when that proves successful, but that involves a unique amount of stars aligning. But you don't have like you. That's why AEW is so exciting because you have a, a whole fresh outlook on it, and you are having characters and people put in front of you who are just doing their thing, and you feel that. And okay, some of it ain't gonna land. The Nightmare Collective, it didn't land. But you know what? I bloody love the fact that they do stuff and they try it, and it doesn't land. If it doesn't work, they move on, and they did. They binned it off, moving on to something else. Mm -hmm. You know, there's stuff that works and doesn't work, and then if something gets hot, they capitalize on it. Like, they're not, it's not just the whims of one or two guys going, oh, well, this always worked, let's do this. You know, this Mm -hmm. this, this is the world of difference, and this is why AEW will do incredibly well. There is a reason why in the 2019 Wrestling Observer a Newsletter Awards that the top four top four for best on interviews were all AEW guys. Jericho, Cody, MJF, Moxley. Absolutely. Now, in most years, if all four were in WWE, well, well the three who had been there before, Jericho might have finished top ten for best on interviews, and, he, and he's won it before because he's Chris Jericho. He, he has some level of autonomy, and he's had it for years. Mm-hmm. Would Cody Rhodes or Dean Ambrose ever been top 10 best on interviews in any given year if they were still in WWF? No. And there's a reason for that. Not to say they're not talented because they're very talented. They were just handcuffed and not and not utilized properly, which Leslie Nielsen is kind of a template, is following that template here. So if you are a and Leslie a Nielsen fan, strap yourself in for a, a pony couple of weeks. <sighs> Start drinking. <laughs> Let's move on to brighter things. It's main event o'clock, Justin Henry. 
Yes, between uh, Dwayne Gill and Duke the Dumpster Drossy. <laughs> and I'm I'm I'm, ha- I'm happy because Gill's wearing a fantabulous pink tiger striped singlet. Oh, he's looking hot to trot tonight, isn't he? Oh yeah, this is a this this is a killer look. Like if Dwayne Gill were ever on a WF game, I'd want this as like his DLC alternate costume. I want to be able to play No Mercy as Dwayne Gill and press left C three times to find this. Just before his it referee is, uh, shirt. It is a timely look, and when I want to say timely, I don't mean 1994, <laughs> I mean 1981. Yeah, it's of a time. Maybe he just saw, <clears throat> maybe he saw Jim Powers and Jim Neidhart going through their match and went, oh no, I'm in the wrong time period. I best wear my other trousers. It's <laughs> a good word, trousers. <laughs> very, very underrated word. It's a great word, is trousers. It's like, if they offered that single to a cast member on Glow, they would have said, Ew, no. <laughs> so the match is basically just backdrop for Jerry Lawler calling in. And they're still going on about that stupid trash can attack. Although Lawler does have a great line here, which um, I'm amazed he got away with given how, how, how puckered they were in this period when he says, Why did I hit him with a trash can? Because I couldn't find a baseball bat. <laughs> great call. I mean, that was... I mean that was kind of fun. Just, just like just like his how venomous he was when he said it because I think he meant it. Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> so we find out that on next week's King's Court, Bob Backlund's going to be a guest. At this point, Bob Backlund is still um, a, the most white meat of white meat baby faces, but that's going to change in about a week. Oh, is it next week? Uh huh. Oh my god, next week's stacked. No, 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 no. no. Oh, that match is not on Raw. No, but, but, Hart for the world title. No, but we no no no. But we start to we start the shift. Uh huh. Because because on this weekend on WF Superstars, Bob Backlund is facing Bret Hart for the WWF Championship in a battle of the generations. Oh. Two babyface tech, technicians going head to head in what should be a respect-filled uh, battle of two iconic stars, and. Um, well, something happens. What could possibly go wrong? Right, I have a story to tell you here. Go on. That particular Saturday, I remember like the back of my hand. I had gone out with my father earlier that day to, 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 uh, on a couple of errands, so I missed the Bay of Superstars. I came home in the early afternoon, and my brother told me that Bob Backlund had turned bad. We didn't know that we're healed yet. Had turned bad because he Bret Hart beat him, and he beat him up after the match, and I couldn't process this because not because not only not seeing it, but I'm thinking Bob Backlund's a bad guy. I mean, I've seen people turn bad before, but Bob Backlund, and even being ten years old, I couldn't fathom that. And but after watching where it all went, now all I think of Bob Backlund as is the crazy bad guy. <laughs> it was. It was one of those things where it's like if you if you couldn't if it didn't exist could you have come up with it? It's it's true. It did come out of left field, and I love I love that. I love the fact of how left field it is, and and I'm ready for it. My body's ready for it. <laughs> Bob Backlund's going to carry this show for the next four months. You just wait and see. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> Finally, salvation. <laughs> and you wouldn't have called it. You would not have called it in '94. <laughs> This is not humanitarian aid. This is them building a Moe's Southwest Grill in the middle of the desert. 
<laughs> that's that's really what this is. So Lawler's going on. Duke just beats Guild into a pulp, hits the trash compactor for the finish, and that's it. It was just fodder for for Lawler to get his uh, digs in. Lawler gets plug in, in and then court. Duke drives him gets over. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Nothing more, nothing less. So next week, Alundra Blaze versus. Hang on, them. I have to quote this here. <laughs> from, uh, I'm glad you wrote this down too. I didn't write it down, but I just remember it. Lunder Blaze versus Bull Knock it, 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 Cheers, Savage. <laughs> Can't wait to leave. Was <laughs> <laughs> Sean versus Razor in a rematch of the what are calling one of the best matches in WWF history, and they are not wrong. Although there is no belt, no ladder here, but still it's Razor and Sean, so it should be awesome. It'll be fine. And, and of course we'll have uh, you know back on the King's Court. This sounds like one hell of a show. I'm excited for it. I'm actually pumped for it. Like it's as you as you rightly put it earlier on. This is an oasis coming up. Oh yes, this is. Um, don't get used to this kind of quality for Raw going forward. <laughs> at least for the next couple of years, but. This is definitely a bone being thrown our way. Oh, I'm excited. So next week, all of that, plus uh, special guest uh, William R. Washington from RBR Wrestling is going to join us as well. Uh, nice to have a new voice on the Cold Arlet Classic Raw review, sir. Oh, definitely. It's always good to have different people in here, just uh, different perspectives, no matter what age they are, what they're viewing, um, how long they've been watching this. Always fun to have some, just someone different on here. You can uh, tweet him at William RBR. Go and say hello. Uh, until next time as well. He is at JRH Writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. We will see you next week. Stay safe. Wash your hands. I don't know what that means. Naka, 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 no. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.